Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host. We want to thank you all for coming in today. Um, and we want to thank uh, you all for just kind of participating with our with our program here. And we're, we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to give you some insight in what's going on out there in the housing market and anything in between. And um, a couple of places we want to point you to before we get started is thehousinghour.com, number one. Um, that's where the treasure trove of information is uh, held for all of our past shows. And you can listen to current shows and share those with friends and family. You can connect also with our Facebook and Twitter accounts. It's facebook.com slash thehousinghour. And at thehousinghour is our Twitter handle. Um, and also Mark is on Pinterest as well. He'd be happy to... I do webinars right after the show. <laughs> exactly. So um, we want to point out something to you. If you go to our new website, it's very dynamic and you can just uh, hover over special series and there you will find a, a number of different series that we have done in the past. Um, and we'd love for you to go and um, give us some feedback. You have your energy efficiency series, your energy star series. Um, you have your healthcare USA series, your homeownership matters, protect your kids, protect your family. And this installment really is going to fall under a couple, but I think most specifically, Homeownership Matters is probably a good place to go with this one. And this new website mm -hmm. is going to be really dynamic, and it's evolving. It's evolving. And this menu... Not Darwin Evolution. No, 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 yeah. no. But uh, the special series is going to be a, a mega menu series mm -hmm. on here. Oh. So it's going to be easier to search. That's awesome. And I know that you and Arlen, uh, our website developer, had a great meeting yesterday. So we look forward... That's where I learned mega menu. <laughs> there we go. Well, um, we want to thank uh, Tom White. Tom White is in here today with us. He's an appraiser, been around for many years. Tom, thanks so much for coming in. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Absolutely. And um, we, as a mortgage lender, we do a lot of loans, you know, six to seven hundred uh, per month. Um, and out of those, we need people that are qualified to help us assess what the collateral is worth. And when we're in that process of doing a loan, um, one of the big pieces of it is the appraisal. And for many years, many, many years, up until 2008 or nine, we would hand select appraisers based upon the relationship that the loan officer might have had with an appraiser in any given community, whether that be Oak Ridge or maybe Knoxville or Morristown, wherever the property actually was. And then in 2008, we had that new law that came out, which, which kind of caused some uh, changes in the industry, and it was called HVCC, and it was, it was really a big change for appraisers. And it was, we had Tom on the show. He talked and gave his uh, opinion about it. You can search our website and find that show. We might even put a link to it, I guess. I, so, I will. And um, Tom gave some, and he, he gave some pretty good opinions on it. And then now we have some more changes that just recently evolved. And now we have a new um, software that we have to put every appraisal through. And that is called Collateral Underwriter. And for you out there listening, you might be the first time uh, listener. You might have been with us for a while. One of the things that we try to do is provide experts in different fields to help you understand how this might affect you. And if you ever go out to get a loan, 
or if you're refinancing or you're purchasing a home, this is very important to you to understand what this collateral underwriter means and how your home is appraised. So the first thing I want to do, Tom, if you don't mind, um, give us the 30,000 foot view of, of this change because this is the biggest change since HVCC, correct? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, basically what this uh, entails is uh, there's standards for condition, um, quality, um, all these different factors that we look at when we do appraisals on a house. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to assign these factors to any comparable sale that we use when we're comparing that to a, uh, a home that we're appraising. So these factors are not relative. In other words, we can't change them. Once we say a comparable sale is, is a certain quality, then that quality carries with that comparable sale Mm-hmm. forever right unless someone goes in there and re completely remodels that home or changes that home in a significant way and then that factor will change right the the only thing that we really have is every appraiser's different so every appraiser might look at a different house and and say well i think that quality and and let me just briefly give you a summation we have mm-hmm. a, you know we have a qualities that run from uh, Q Q is stands for quality. Q one through Q five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Q one would be like a mansion. Mm-hmm. Put it in layman's terms. That's Mark's house. Yes, that's Mark's house. <laughs> as, as the tax appraiser. That's Kevin's house. As the tax appraiser views it. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then that's say right. a Q five, mm-hmm. which is let's just say a cabin somewhere off mm-hmm. in the woods that a layperson has built with their own hands and not mm-hmm. use any any right. you know person that maybe does that for a living right. so um, and then you have also condition factors and a condition factor is a c1 through a c5 and again a c1 is pretty static and it's a brand new house mm-hmm. a c2 is a house that has very little if any um, depreciation but is not a new house or mm-hmm. like if you have an older house that you've completely and absolutely remodeled mm-hmm. So C1 is reserved only for new construction. Right. Have you ever had a C2 that was a new construction? <laughs> <laughs> no, I okay. have not. All right, just curious. Um, but so it runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. But let's say let's say I go out and I'm, I'm in a neighborhood and, and I find a comparable sale and it's a, a 150,000 rancher that was built in 1975. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, I would say, okay, that's a, a Q3 or a Q4 mm-hmm. quality, and it could be either a C3 or C4 condition. Mm-hmm. So I have to make the determination in myself and say, okay, that's what that is. That's, I'm going to say it's a C3 and a, and a Q3, mm-hmm. and I use that comparable sale. And that's your opinion. And that's, that's my Tom opinion. White's opinion based on your 30 years of experience of, or however exactly. long you've been doing it. Okay. But let's say uh, Joe, appraiser, uses that same comparable, and he says, well, I think that's a Q4 and a C4. Mm-hmm. And which would be a little worse condition. Which would be a little worse a little condition. worse quality. And a little worse quality. Okay. Okay. By just simply one Right. But now Fannie Mae actually gives you the definitions of these okay. conditions and these, and, and these qualities. So there is, a, there is a definition sheet, but... There's a lot of subjectivity right. in this. So let's say I use that. Well, 
in subsequent reports, let's say six months down the road, I'm in the same neighborhood and I want to use that comp again. Well, as an appraiser, I better not change that Q4 and C4. Your or, score's or, going down. Right. Because Fannie Mae now has a computer system, since this is all standardized on the report, and they can pull up every time you've ever used that comp and compare it against, in subsequent reports, what you've put on that comp. Everything about that comp. So mm-hmm. it better be identical. Well, and here's here's the thing I want to stop everybody that's <clears throat> listening and, and say, you know, in any given month, you know, I don't know how many homes were sold in Knoxville and Oak Ridge combined last year, but it's a lot. So appraisers are constantly using Around these 4,500. Okay. So appraisers are using these comps over and over and over again. So I don't know that we have access. I guess if we pulled appraisals, we could have our own database. And, and I'm sure we have that. <laughs> Maybe some black box. They could say, well, this one's been a C3, C4, C2, C3. And they can see that. We can see that as a lender, and I'm sure that this software can see that. So it really puts the appraiser not on the defense. That's not the right way, but it really makes you say, I need to be very careful with what I put for these comps. Well, well, you know, what it does, and Fannie Mae doesn't care that I call it a C3 and Joe Blow calls it a C4. Because it's within the margin of error. Because it's within margin of error. But what they're looking at is if, is if I called a C3 one day, a C2 the next uh-huh. day, and right. a C4 or C5, because I'm manipulating my data right. now to fit my subject, and I'm committing fraud. That's pre-2008 Tom White. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's <laughs> when they weren't looking? Is that what you're That's saying? That's when they were giving money under the table and going, come on, you know? But, there, but there's been a lot of furor. I mean, with this new program, this collateral review, there's a lot of a national mm-hmm. type of, um, you know, Media. Well, nobody likes to be second guessed, and and and. But they know, were all saying that, hey, it's going to delay things, and they're looking back. It's going to really slow the process right. down. Is that true? No. And, and let's get to the bottom line. The bottom line is this: is to prevent fraud. Right. And we're not talking about a little bit of fraud. We're talking right. massive fraud. Right. You know. And a statistic came out the other day. I read in one of the publications that said that that fraud was down eighty percent over the past year in the, in the mortgage industry. Wow. And so... I about named a company and said that's because they went out of business. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is not to, uh, in, in its essence, slap my hands or, or to say, call me up and say, oh, you know, you're doing this or you're doing that. They can give you guidance if they want they can send you a letter and give you guidance and I've, i haven't gotten one but i know mm-hmm. appraisers who have gotten some and they're in the mail no they're I'm, in just the mail. Kidding. I'm just and, kidding and and they would say look you know you use this comparable cell five times and four times it was a q4 and one time it was a q3 you know you need to be careful about right. doing that right and um so, Unless they have material evidence that says, well, it was a Q3 now because they had pets and it has just, you know, exactly. destroyed the house. Exactly. Right. So, you know, if you get one of those letters, you're encouraged to write back and say, well, this is why this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's, it's really out there just to ensure the public. Mm-hmm. And this is what, you know, is so important. Um, and this is why, this is one of our main uh, ethics rules in appraising is public trust. Mm-hmm. You know, does the public trust us 
to do the right thing. Right. Because we're not on anybody's side. We're right. not on your side. Mm-hmm. We're not on the seller's side. We're not on the buyer's side. We are on the side, really, of truth. Of truth. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm being— Straight Talk Express right here with yeah, Tom. If, <laughs> if I'm being fair or over—let's say I'm being over the line to the buyer mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I'm going to give you the, you know— Boy, you know, or I'm being overlined to the seller, then I'm I'm being abusive to the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I do a lot of personal work, and I'll have people call me and they'll say, "Hey, I'm getting divorced. You know, I need you to come out and do my appraisal, and, and I'm buying the house from that guy. You know, I, I want right. I want you to praise this low. Right. You know, and my answer is always, "Look, all I can do is be fair." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and right. You know, because I get those calls too, and it's it's just one of those things where you say, you know, what are you asking me to do? You, you know, you want me to you, you mean to lie? Yeah, I, I we're mean, not I even allowed lie. to talk to you guys anymore. Yeah, right. so. yeah. So you know, but you know, when you do personal appraisals, you get a lot of interaction with these people, right. and they want if they're going to quote, if I'm going to pay for that, I want it to be like I want it to be. Right, exactly. Well, and you know, one of the things in the next segment I want to get to is you know talking about the AMCs because MIG for instance doesn't use an AMC we have our, our own internal panel and we've been able to kind of keep that wheel going in a way that's fair to everyone we feel sure. but but there are some murmurs out there that think that this collateral underwriter might do away with AMCs and there was some back and forth about that. So I'd like to talk to you about your opinion there because this is going to be irrefutable evidence of the value of this property. That's what some people think. So let's talk about that and much, much more right here on the Housing Hour. We have Tom White, and we'll be back right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and we want to thank you guys so much for stopping in with us. Um, Tom Tom does have some holes in his jeans. He's just a <laughs> he's just a regular old guy, and we're thankful for him coming in. Um, and actually has some very nice khakis on. He doesn't actually have jeans on. That's me. He's pretty preppy. <laughs> exactly, he is. Um, and really cool sweater there with the little thank atomic. Uh, Symbol. Yeah, so what is that awesome. for? It's uh, Oak Ridge Country Club. That's yeah, awesome. I love that place. That's one of the nicest, underappreciated courses in America. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember, you know, Arnold Palmer played that course back sure in did. the 60s, I think it was. Yeah, he, he actually played it, uh, uh, I think, in 1962. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Those pictures are on the wall in the clubhouse. No kidding. Because yeah. I, I, I heard somebody tell <clears> me one time, and I can't remember who it was, <laughs> and this is kind of strange, but they would they went behind Arnold Palmer and actually picked up his cigarette butts and kept them for a long time. It's kind of an interesting story. Um, now you can't smoke on the course. <laughs> um, well, we have Tom White in today with us, and um, he is an appraiser here uh, locally in our area. And Tom has uh, been around for a long time, and 
we brought him in. Um, one of the big changes that happened recently within Fannie Mae, which is one of the the biggest, it is the biggest lender holder of money uh, here in the whole country, and they are uh, putting us through this new change, which is collateral underwriter. And it's for appraisers. They need to uh, meet certain standards. And so Tom's sharing his thoughts about that. And uh, we know MIG has been um, always really on the forefront of change and tried to get in front of things. And um, one of the big things that we did was uh, when this all started to come about is that our owner, Chrissy Ray, has always been on panels and, and tried to be there when it comes to developing tools and giving opinion. And I, I spoke with her just, just today, and she was mentioning to uh, me that, you know, there's definitely some comment period that she's providing feedback back to Fannie Mae about some things that she feels need to change. And it, it relates to the adjustments. And one of the big things that she said is that, that she finds to be just kind of out there um, is that the adjustments that the collateral underwriter uses, like dollar amount per, per square right. foot, is, is sometimes just way out of whack. Well, um, you know, getting back to this Q rating mm -hmm. and C rating, um, there's actually a range within each of those ratings. So even if I said a, a house is a C3 condition and your subject is a C3 condition, that doesn't mean they're absolutely equal. Right you can actually adjust within that range. So if I have a C3 comp and a mm. C3 subject, and I feel like that comp is superior to that subject, then I can adjust within that range. I don't have to move it to a C2 in order to make an adjustment. Same thing with quality. You know, um, and a lot of even appraisers really don't fully understand that. So um, that's why it's not so important for appraisers to be absolutely um, identical with their rating on each comparable sale. You, you have some leeway in there to make those adjustments. Um, and I What just, about the adjustments for the square footage? Um, like one that she mentioned, just as an example, that normally for the type of adjustment locally, what we see was like $38, but the collateral underwriter had plugged into it about $80. Well, he, here's it's funny you said that. I just read an article, um, and I do this, and I have been doing this. Um, you know, as we make our adjustments on the grid, a lot of appraisers just start at the top, and they'll and they'll do a concession adjustment if they know there's a concession adjustment, and then they'll work through the different adjustments throughout the appraisal. And in the middle is the square footage, mm -hmm. and at the bottom, I, I can run through them real quick. It's it's a site, it's quality, it's condition, it's age, it's uh, room count, it's square footage, then you get in the basement, and then you get a utility value, mm -hmm. carports, garages, porches. So you run Just to name those. a few. Just to name <laughs> a few. Anyway, um, what you really should do, um, if you get a, a house that, let's say your subject, you got a subject that's a $150,000 rancher, and it's 1,500 square feet. Well, the good thing to do is get one that sold for like 170 that's maybe 1,600 square feet, and another comp that sold for 140 and it's like 1,300 square feet, and then another comp that's kind of equal, and it's 1,550, and it sold for 155. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you bracketed, you know, your subject on the sales on the low end, on the high end, and, and with using the square footage. Well, the best thing to do is to go through there and make all your adjustments and then make your square footage adjustment absolutely dead last, mm. and you test it. And the way you test it is you start by 
starting low or starting high and manipulating the value per square foot to where you're making a quantitative adjustment to where those indicated values at the bottom are moving and then they come into where there's not a huge range difference. Mm-hmm. So well, Finney, that makes sense, so actually. And you see why the, the cost of appraisal is such. This is a- analyzing uh, data that uh, mm-hmm. you have right. to be highly trained. Yeah, right. and, and and so you, you go through there, and instead of just saying, oh, well, I always use $20 a square foot or I right. always use $25 a square foot. Well, if you have a half-million-dollar home, your adjustment per square foot is going to be considerably different than if you're appraising a $50,000 home. Mm. And um, so you use these quantitative ways to make these adjustments so that you're just not arbitrarily plugging in a figure out of your head that says, oh, I think it's $25 a square foot. Mm. And that's what I'm using, and that's you know that's it. That's all I'm and ever And then you use. have to make the utilities, the site, all that fit right. something else. right which it should be the other way around. So like if you're doing a, an appraisal in a subdivision and you know the lots are worth 20 grand, it's, you know, if there's three of them sold in the last year and they're all around 20 grand. And, and so one, you got one lot that's a little bit bigger and you know it's probably maybe a couple grand more. So you make that adjustment and mm-hmm. then there's a deck and it's different. Those kind of adjustments are easy to make. Right. The tougher adjustments are the condition adjustment and the square footage adjustment. Because they have more of the just interpretation from your individual standpoint. No, they have more effect on the value, too. Oh, okay. When you get into condition, I've always told people, and I'll tell realtors this, if you can get four questions answered, then you got your, your value licked. Mm-hmm. Okay, location. Is the, is the house that you're using as a comparable, is it similar in location? Next, is it similar in style? Mm-hmm. Are you comparing ranchers to ranchers? Are you comparing tutors to tutors? Are you comparing, uh, say, split foyers to split foyers, you know? And then the next one is age. Is the house similar in age? And you say, well, why is that important? Well, there's, That's a very depre- important. there's a lot of depreciation factors that go on to that. <clears throat> but the other thing, and people don't think about this, is floor plans. Floor plans are very important, and they come in to impact the value of a home. And the, and the, and the other thing is um, square footage and condition, mm-hmm. Okay. So if you can kind of get those major items uh, uh, married, then you pretty much got your indicator indicator of value. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and realtors do this all the time. They love to lump square footage together. You know, if they got a 1,500-square-foot rancher that's got 800 square feet in the basement finished, they'll say it's a 2,300-square-foot house. Well, no, it's, you know, that's not the way appraisers do it. Right. And they get into trouble doing that. Or if they say there's a two-story house down the street, and they're comparing it to a ranch. Well, you can't really compare a two-story house to a ranch because usually it's cheaper to go vertical and 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 building costs. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get in. You remember when builders <clears throat> used to use open space? Like if there oh, was yeah. a, they would use the open space, and they would say, "Oh, there's another two thousand square feet right there." <laughs> yeah, um, and and then you get into stuff like um, top heavy and body body top heavy and bottom heavy homes. Mm-hmm. And I can explain that stuff uh, as well. Yeah, we'll get into that because I think the other thing I want to talk about is when we look at this market right this moment and things are really getting hot, you know, do we as lenders, as buyers, as sellers, as appraisers, as whatever, do we do we cut corners? And, you know, the reason being is because we all and I'm speaking for myself 
we tend to take that order taker mentality where, oh, that's okay. There's just so many of them. You can't be as thorough. I, I simply don't think that that's true. And I know Tom is not going to cut corners and neither are we and neither should your lender. So we're thankful for Mortgage Investors Group for being our sponsor. And we'll be right back after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Think of the silver of Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Kevin Ray here, your host, with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. The Housing Hour is uh, brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group. We're thankful for the opportunity to speak to you today. And uh, one of the things that's uh, happening in the world or in America for sure is that the housing market is heating up. And before we went from break to break, it, it's Valentine's Day and Tom was talking about top heavy and bottom heavy. <laughs> Just kidding. But you, you were talking, tell me about what that meant in, in the housing market. And after you get done with that, just segue right in to what you see the market as you drive okay. around. L let me just say this analogy. I, I always like to use this analogy about appraisers, and it's so true that most people, when they drive down the street, they're looking at their windshield. Mm -hmm. Well, when appraisers drive down the street, they're looking at the rearview mirror. Mm. And, and the reason I say that is because we use historical data to judge future events. Mm -hmm. And we have to be very cognizant of what is happening in the market because we use comps sometimes that are eight, nine months old, sometimes a year old. Fannie Mae lets us go back a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I'm in a neighborhood and, and I'm praising a house and one sold in March, and it's March of 20, let's say March of 2014, mm -hmm. and it's January of 2015, and things have changed, then I need to make, in my head or technically, I need to make a time adjustment. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's a negative adjustment or a positive adjustment, because if the market's heated up, well, that house that sold that I'm using in that sold in March, well, it might be five or ten thousand dollars low mm. in value. Right. So, you know, those are the things. But but uh, other things that that I like to talk about are um, uh, top heavy and body bottom heavy homes. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is is if you've ever gone into a subdivision, um, let's say, and I'll just pick on the Smith builders. I, I mm. love their work. They're great. They're great guys. Tom and Rocky are, are awesome. They, they build a lot of homes in Knoxville. Is this Smith built or yeah, not? Smith okay. Built. okay. Um, and, um, you know, but they build a lot of homes in the 150 to 300,000 R range. They build some over 300, but not much, but they build a lot of top heavy homes. And what I mean by that is um, theater room or what? I don't know. Well, let's, let's say that you, you drive up and you, and you, drive directly into your garage right from the street the garage faces the street okay so you got let's say 900 square feet on that floor you walk in the right side of the house and you got a living room dining room kitchen laundry room and a half bath mm -hmm. then you go upstairs and you got four bedrooms and three full baths and maybe a little little uh, play area mm -hmm. okay well all that's over the garage too mm -hmm. so there's more square footage on the top half of the home than yeah. there is on the bottom half of the home mm -hmm. and it's cheaper to go vertical than it is to go horizontal mm. and so when you start looking at these homes as an appraiser let's say that home is uh, 2400 square feet there might be 900 square feet on the main floor and 1500 square feet upstairs well that 1500 square feet upstairs is cheaper to build than the 900 square right. feet on the main floor 
So as an appraiser and I go in the neighborhood, that house might have sold for, let's say, $200,000. And then there's a house right next door that sold for $250,000, and it's the exact same square footage. And you go, well, how can that be? They use the same material. They use, it's the same square footage. Mm -hmm. You know, well, that home next door is, let's say, uh, 1,800 square feet on the main floor, mm -hmm. and the rest of it's upstairs with no bonus room. Right. Um, that house is much more expensive to build. Right. And it has a much better curb appeal generally, too, because it's broader to the street. And people like having sometimes more square footage on the main. So, But is that curb appeal 50000 No. The, the curb appeal is not what does it. What does it is um, the actual footprint of the home because – like I said, when you go vertical, it's cheaper to go vertical because you don't have the same uh, foundation. You don't have the same uh, framing structure. You know, so all that goes into the cost of the building. And it also, whether buyers realize it or not, they're discounting that top-heavy home versus the other one. Let's say if, I, let's say if I'm a realtor and I say, I got a 3,000-square-foot house, I'm going to sell you, Kevin. Mm -hmm. And you walk out. And it's a basement rancher with 1,500 square feet on the main floor and 1,500 square feet in the basement. And I say, now, the house next door is also 3,000 square feet, but it's $100,000 more. And you look over there, and it's all one big, huge 3,000 square foot rancher rancher Love on, it. on one level. That's what now, I'm which one about. would you want rather live in? I'd much rather live in that rancher. Especially if you're handicapped. That's exactly but, right. But, you know, we're not talking mental handicap here, Kevin. Right. We're talking <laughs> <laughs> But... Uh, you know, so those things are factors when uh, when you look at uh, when you look when you do an appraisal, and a lot of people don't think about those things. Mm -hmm. um, Is it know, hard to justify the cost uh, when you're doing appraisal workup? No, no, because when I pull comps, um, I'm going to pull sales from if I'm doing a bottom heavy home, I'm going to pull sales that are bottom heavy homes. Right, and I might go outside the subdivision to find one. I prefer bottom heavy. Well, to be but, honest with you, <laughs> but how does Fannie Mae feel about if they, you know, if you have similar square footage and you go outside the neighborhood and there's you just three have houses, to, you just, they don't care. It's you not, just okay. you just have to state it in the appraisal why you're doing it. So excellent. You know that that's uh, you don't get that a lot because most builders build the same homes yeah. because they know the cost. They they know everything about you know building that home. So they're going to replicate that plan five, six times, and they might change the facade of the home. They might change the, you know, the color of the brick. They might change, you know, the eave pattern or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they're going to build that. You walk into the home, it's the same footprint. It's right. the same floor plan. So they've just dressed it up. They just dressed it up. You know, now you get some, which I mean is popular. Yeah. It's not saying anything exactly. negative about the way they do it. It's just that's just the way it is. And then you get in some subdivisions where you've had maybe six or seven different builders in there. And you have different, really different style homes, mm -hmm. and and that becomes that's happened a lot in yeah, the last few years. It, yeah. it, it has, um, you know. And then you get into subdivisions, um, especially in the last couple of years. Let's take one uh, uh, down Turkey Creek. Okay, Turkey Cove mm. started out as a okay. real high end subdivision. Right. Yeah. They were building homes in the seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollar range, and then the subdivision went Smith built. <laughs> <laughs> no, the subdivision went under. Yeah. Um, and so what happened was when they do that, um, those restrictions become null and void. And then the next people that stepped in mm -hmm. bought those lots. They paid half price for them. And they started building four dollars and $500,000 homes. Now, that didn't make the other people feel very good. Mm -mm. But it's really important as if you're an appraiser, you go in there and you 
and let's say you're appraising one of the older homes that has really nice floor plans, you know, really those were some very high those end were high stuff. end homes that started. You can't use those new sales because they're completely different quality homes. You have to go to Farragut you or wherever you're closest. Somewhere else yeah. and pull your comps. Well, let me ask you a question. If I was a buyer and I'm going out looking <clears throat> at properties, mm-hmm. um, should I take what it's listed for as the uh, truth of the value, you know, within a normal range or should I if I target a property, should I say, hmm, maybe I should get an appraiser out there to really look before I make We don't offer? have very many realtors listening, so feel free to answer any way you'd like. <laughs> you know, um, most realtors price homes reasonably, okay? Uh, most realtors do their jobs very well. Um, there are a few out there. You know, I always make a joke, and I tell this to the realtors. I said, there's always two places you're going to find a realtor when you sign the listing and when you close the home. At, mm-hmm. at the attorney's office, right. <laughs> you know, but that's, but that's just a joke. I mean, realtors work very hard for their money. Right. And, and generally speaking, they're not out there to overprice a home. Right. You know, they want to sell. They sell, they sell, sell. Right. And, and, and they're being fairly competitive. They look around, they don't do the analysis that we do. Um, but they can get pretty close. And, and what's mm-hmm. the percentage of list value at the sales price in the it's, Knoxville area? Knoxville area. It's, it's generally somewhere around, uh, now, in a bad area, it'd be about 7%, but in good areas, it can be as low as 1%. Really? Yes. So that, that tells you that the agents are doing a really good job. Yeah, right? well, you know, there's people say, this is a great question people ask me. They say, what's the market doing? Mm-hmm. And I'd say, which market? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, well, well, you know, the real estate market. And I'll say, well, there's about 1,000 sub-markets to the real estate market. Are you mm-hmm. talking oh, about, good point. Are you talking about, you know, Lakefront homes? Are you talking about cabins up in the Smoky Mountains? Are you talking about Farragut? Are you talking about Oak Ridge? Are you talking? Well, what's about the hottest right now? Well, I mean, if he says cabin, uh, cabins in the Smoky Mountains, <laughs> <laughs> it's slanted. <laughs> well, I own a cabin in the. Smoky. If anybody wants to buy that cabin, you can know. Is it a uh, Q5? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's a pretty nice log cabin. But uh, getting back to no, no, answer the question about the markets. Which is the hottest right now? Well. Farragut's probably the hardest, hottest market, okay. and, and the sub-market in Farragut between one hundred twenty-five to $250,000, and even two fifty to three fifty. Where does Farragut really end, actually? Is it like Pellissippi, kind of? Well, Farragut, and, and you know, pa- really goes from uh, a, about Watt Road mm-hmm. to uh, Concord Road. Okay. From I-75, I-40 I over to North Shore. I mean, that's, that's a broad painted brush of of Farragut but that's pretty pretty close there's some uh neighborhoods within there that might actually go to Hardin Valley like Fox Run Mm -hmm. they changed that designation from uh Farragut schools to Hardin Valley and that had a huge impact negative oh yes it was bad well you had a a moment there you started saying something save that for when we get back we have one short segment left here with Tom White we want to thank him so much for coming in and join us after these messages for our closing segment Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. You give me hope in spite of everything. Welcome back into the Housing Hour, and Tom White is giving us hope today. 
um, and we appreciate him coming in. Mark, you had a question for Tom. Well, I did. In the Farragut market, uh, so there's been new energy codes in Farragut on new construction. They're really uh, emphasizing energy efficiency in these homes. Mm-hmm. Do you see that as affecting value? Is that significantly adding any value to the properties um, versus yeah. existing? Yes. I mean, there's some Energy Star homes out there that are built that, you know, have a, a huge Shod emphasis. properties. Yeah, I mean, some huge emphasis on on um, uh, energy and, and, you know, insulation and all that kind Ceiling. of stuff. Ceiling. Yeah. Um, it affects a little bit. It's not, I don't think, you know, the thing about what people have to keep, keep in mind is, are the buyers rewarding that behavior by the builders? Mm-hmm. And, um, right. And in good markets, they re- they will reward the builders. In bad markets, they will absolutely punish the builders. But some of the codes are now forcing the builders right. to build to those standards. Yes, Whoa, like right. when, when I just I just built a new home, and um, the new code was in an unfinished basement, you have to insulate it and sheetrock it. Right. You can't leave it open. Right. It's a new fire code. So, you know, that added $3,000 worth of cost, thank you very much, Knox County, to my home. Right. Um, you know, and and— but now it won't catch fire as easily. <laughs> well, if it catches fire in the concrete basement, it won't go to the main floor. Now, I don't know right. how concrete's going to burn, but right. <laughs> obviously yeah. the fire that, department's worried about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yes, you know, uh, to answer your question, there, there are – whenever you get into niche, um, if you're, like, doing something in the market that is very unique – um, you might affect some buyers, but the general public is not as effective. I think that'll grow with time as well because mile per gallon for a, that niche market, they're looking at what does this car get per gallon. That's what they want. That's a buyer's market that's growing. And then there's going to be these millennials that are going to be coming up that say, hey, why can't I Why can't I find out what the mile per gallon is on a car, but you can't tell me what the energy cost is on this house? And they're going to have that comparison at some point in the future, I believe. And there's going to be a difference. And so they're going to say, well, this one, this one costs you this much per year. This one costs you this much per year because this one has more, more energy related yeah. mm-hmm. accommodations. So, so I think we'll see that more. Um, we have about two minutes left. Can you, you have anything you'd like to share in the last minute or so that we have? You know, I, I would just like to reiterate this to the public. Um, you know, what does all this mean for you as the buyer or you for the seller? Um, and I think what it means is you're going to be getting a more consistent, um, more uh, reliable appraisal in the future. Um, and I think um, it's going to be a, a, the people that are left in the industry. Uh, there's been a lot of washout in the last five or six years. And the people that are left are just now coming in or being held to a higher standard. Mm. And I think it's, it's, it's uh, getting to the point where, you know, the, the public is getting a better bang for their buck mm-hmm. when it comes to the appraisal work. It might not be the exact appraisal you want, but I think you're getting a, um, a reliable, um, defensible estimate of value. And I think that's what everyone wants is we want to be able to trust this, the process. And so that's what this is adding to is more trust in the process. And guess what? When you have more trust, you have more people that are willing to stick their neck out there and say, you know what? I am ready to move up because we have two new kids and we need a bigger home. And rather than just sitting there and saying, well, this is not going to be the market to sell in, they're trusting the process. So I think that's a very and, valid statement. And I would like to say I've been doing this 29 years and, and uh, I've worked for a lot of different companies doing work 
And I love Mortgage Investors Group. Uh, they are the best company I've ever done work for, and I really appreciate them. Thanks, well, Tom. Thank that make, means a lot to us, and we'll, I'll sign that check in a moment. Too. No, <laughs> just well, uh, Tom has been a great friend to Mortgage Investors Group, and I know personally that he does very good work, and we're going to take him up on an offer to maybe come out and talk to our loan officers to help them understand more about what's going on. And I think that's what we're here for, is to help you as the public understand what's going on out there, how you can use the data that we provide you. Go to thehousinghour.com right after the show. We're going to have uh, some more information about our guest, and we'd love for you to share that with friends and family. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.